I always like wondered like why 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 didn't anyone really pick me up after uh, you know getting released by the Nationals or in indie ball because you know I had a really good year uh, that first year in Sioux Falls. Was that the uh, last was that the last affiliated call you ever got that call from the White Sox? Yeah, that was the last one. All right, welcome to episode two of From Phenom to the Farm, an interview series presented by Baseball America. My name is Kyle Bandujo, and I am your host. First off, I want to thank everyone who tuned in to episode one with former Braves left-hander Eric O'Flaherty. Got a lot of great responses from listeners about how much y'all enjoyed Eric's story, which was, was awesome to hear. I hope everyone enjoys the stories that are going to be told in the upcoming weeks and months in this series. On this episode, we're talking to 2008 Nationals 15th round pick J.P. Ramirez. That name might not be as familiar to you as Eric O'Flaherty's, but to me, J.P.'s journey is just as interesting. Anyone who played high school baseball or just kind of followed local sports when they were growing up had an athlete in your area, you know, the one who was a step above everyone else in town around them, you knew was destined for great things. For me, JP was one of those guys. We grew up playing baseball in the San Antonio Hill Country area. He was only a year older than me. Uh, JP was a known entity and could pretty easily stake a claim as the best hitter in the area for you know a few years while he was in high school. He, w- he was very much the guy in the San Antonio area. He had a storied high school career. Uh, he hit the high school prospect checklist. He played for Team USA, had a big-name college commitment, and tore up local competition. Ironically enough, his last high school game was actually against my high school. Uh, JP's team might have lost, but JP had a towering home run to center that I can still hear in my mind off the bat to this day. Um, Most of all, he was known as just a generally nice, quiet guy, someone you'd want to root for, which I think that is something that'll that'll come through in this interview. Months after draft day, JP got a seven-figure signing bonus, headed out to start his journey to the show. But like so many high school players, big talents who enter pro ball with promise, things didn't exactly go to plan. In this episode, we're going to hear about JP's experiences in pro ball, a down-to-the-wire signing decision, the difficulty of speaking up about injuries as a young player, dealing with front office turmoil while you're just a prospect in the low minors, and everything else that that encompassed his 10-year career. JP's career spanned affiliated ball, indie ball, the Mexican League, a lot of of individual unique experiences from this guy, and I'm really grateful that he took the time. We recorded this, I I believe, in October. We recorded it a few months ago. Um, JP took a ton of time out of his day. He's in school right now, so uh, very, very grateful that uh, that we got this interview recorded. If you enjoy this episode and want to hear everything that's upcoming, please subscribe to this feed wherever you get your podcast. If you so wish, leave a rating and a review. Also, make sure to check out everything going on at BaseballAmerica.com and on the Baseball America podcast feed. College baseball season has finally started. Teddy Cahill and Joe Healy are providing awesome podcasts and coverage. They're a, a must-follow for me. You can check those pods out on the normal Baseball America podcast feed, wherever you get your podcast, as well on the website. Again, that is BaseballAmerica.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Kyle Banduho. That's B-A-N-D-U-J-O. I'll be posting updates on this series with future guests and episode info. And if you're a sports movie fan, you can check out my weekly sports movie podcast, Big Screen Sports, which episodes drop every Monday. Uh, I've done a couple baseball movies recently, did Field of Dreams a few weeks ago. Check that out. 
But with that, I hope you enjoy the second episode of From Phenom to the Farm with J.P. Ramirez. All right, I'm here with former outfielder in the Nationals organization, J.P. Ramirez. J.P., thanks so much for taking the time today. Yeah, Kyle, no problem. Thanks for uh, for having me on air. Of course, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to going over everything. You know, I've you know, we, we obviously played against each other in high school. You're a little bit more notable than I was. But, you know, let's get right into it. When did you know that, that being a professional baseball player was actually a real possibility? I think every kid dreams of, of being a pro. When did you know that you actually had a shot to uh, to eventually sign? Well, uh, I mean, I, you know, like you said, we played, uh, you know, against each other a couple of times in, in high school. And then just, you know, playing uh, – I would say, you know, like select ball, you play with, you know, um, maybe we cross paths in select ball too, uh, since you were there in the San Antonio area. I played with the San Antonio Hackers, and so we'd just play, you know, you know, teams locally and then all around Texas, and, uh, you know, I, I just felt, you know, I could compete really well with these guys consistently, and I think that was what it was all about, just being consistent, uh, you know, on how you, you know, carried yourself and how, how well you played, and then... Uh, I got invited to some, uh, you know, showcases. Everybody knows, you know, the perfect game uh, showcases and uh, ended up doing really well there and kind of put me on the Nationals, you know, stage. Uh, I got invited to play for uh, other select teams that were out of state, um, you know, with uh, All-American prospects there in Florida. The guy that, you know, ran that kind of, you know, promoted me a lot more and we went to uh, more baseball perfect game showcases did well every every showcase I went to I did pretty well and then uh you know I just noticed my ranking would get high every time I went to a showcase and then those Worldwood bat ones in Florida and in Georgia and uh I got invited to the national showcase in Cincinnati did really well there you know all those what I just knew you know I was you know up in the national caliber now you know coming from uh you know I'm originally from Houston but I was raised a uh, majority of my life in New Braunfels, Texas, which is, you know, back then was a, you know, very small city. You know, we were a 4A school and, uh, you know, but we, we did, we played, uh, you know, really good competition around that area, you know, like Lake Travis and then Bernie and, uh, you know, Burnett and, you know, and then uh, New Braunfels, of course. So, I mean, it was good baseball. Um, so, you know, I just, you know, I guess putting myself on the national stage kind of, gave me that uh you know like I'm like wow this could be it and then making the USA team uh my uh, before my senior year the summer before my senior year also I was like wow uh you know I'm playing with players like uh Eric Hosmer and Ryan Weber uh Robbie Grossman um LJ Hose you know guys like that and then beating out players like Aaron Hicks and uh was, was, there's was another guy uh he was an outfielder Preston Tucker he played in the big leagues for a while so beating those guys out for, you know, uh, left field was, you know, pretty special. And I, you know, I, I knew then I was like, wow, you know, I might not, you know, go to college. I might actually, you know, sign out of high school. Uh, so I knew like then, then there that, you know, I, I was first, you know, I was always gun hold on school. Uh, you know, my mom and my dad were always telling me, uh, you know, you can't go anywhere uh, without having good grades, JP. So I always, you know took my school really serious and I felt like that kind of opened up doors uh from other schools you know like you know like near Vanderbilt Stanford uh uh Tulane which I where I committed to uh and Miami you know you know high prestigious academic schools uh you know so it kind of like opened up 
the doors to those and gave me more options. So, um, you know, it was, it was a pretty cool, neat experience. So with your recruiting, because um, obviously, you know, you gotta, normally you got to commit somewhere before the draft. You know, you got to have that, that plan in case you don't get drafted where you want, you know, get the bonus. Why um, you ended up committing to Lane? What, you know, talk to me about your recruiting. Why Tulane? You know, what did you factor into to your decision? Was this an easy decision for you? No, uh, it was actually, it was, it was really difficult, especially, you know, like you said, having the, you know, dealing with the pro side of things too, you know, having to deal with pro scouts and then kind of people when you're about like, oh, you know, you, uh, you, sh- you, you got an opportunity to sign, you know, out of high school. So kind of, I feel like having to deal with both the college and the professional part was a little difficult uh, just because, you know, I'm, I'm here thinking one side and then I'm thinking another side, but you know, like I said earlier, school was always, you know, very important to me. And then back then I wanted to do uh, pre-med. I knew, I knew Tulane had a really good uh, pre-med program there. And then uh, and then eventually maybe apply to, you know, medical school if the whole baseball thing didn't uh, pan out. So uh, that was like an important part. And then the, the recruiter for Tulane, you know, he was just always there and always at all the showcases and, you know, texting me, calling me, making sure how I'm doing. So yeah, I guess he kind of had like, a, you know, he, he developed a really good personal relationship with me and that, that helped. And I took my all five official visits. I took my first one to Miami and, you know, I had a good visit there and uh, with, with Coach Morris. So, you know, I, I really enjoyed my time there and I had a couple of buddies that were actually going to Miami. So, I mean, the whole process was difficult. And then I went to Tulane second and then, uh, then I went to Arizona State was my third one with the. Uh, Coach uh, Pat Murphy was there at, at the time, and you know I had a, had uh, you know a lot of guys that would end up playing in the big leagues, you know like Mike Leake and 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 those guys were there. Uh, so you know it was pretty pretty special to go to those uh, big schools. And then I went to Rice was my fourth one, and you know that also was a really good academic school. And then uh, you know Coach Graham, you know of course with his legacy there at Rice was uh, you know an, another uh, reason why you know. I, wanted to go there and I had a buddy of mine end up going there and did well, which, which everyone knows is Anthony Rendon. So he ended up going there. So, you know, he could have been a teammate of mine. And then, uh, then the last one was A&M and, uh, Brooks, uh, Rayleigh was actually my host there at A&M and, you know, but, uh, you know, I never was really like a diehard anything. So it kind of made the, the college recruiting a little difficult. Cause I never, you know, especially being in Texas, you got to have like, uh, you know, you're, you're an Aggie or you're a Longhorn, you're, you know, or a Horn Frog or, you know, or Texas Tech Raider, you know, you, you, you feel like, uh, like you're from Texas, you got to be going to one of those Texas schools, right? But uh, for some reason, I never was really like a diehard anything. But, you know, looking back now, and especially now that, you know, I'm doing engineering, uh, you know, I probably would have, you know, stuck into staying into Texas, because I mean, honestly, there, I don't think there's any other place better to be than, you know, besides Texas, you know, the year round weather and, and then just the overall, you know, great baseball. So, uh, you know, I don't regret, uh, signing to Tulane, but I mean, maybe if I were to like do it again, I'd weigh my, you know, and think more staying in Texas. I'd rather, I probably would have chose A&M first. And then, uh, you know, cause coach Childress, he, he's awesome. You know, he's done a really good job with that program and, you know, he was, he was really, uh, you know, heartbroken whenever I told him I was going to go out of state and uh, go to Tulane. And then, uh, you know, Rice, of course, would have been another good spot too. you know, my, my father's there in Houston. That would have been a nice fit. But 
I probably would lean more towards going to Texas A&M. But then again, you know, like I said earlier that the draft kind of like distracted me from making, you know, you know, it, just, it was just like a lot of stuff going on at the time and, you know, with pro baseball and then having college on top of that and the pressure of, you know, signing already. You had to sign your letter of intent and then get ready for your senior year of baseball. So, I mean, it was, it was kind of, you know, a little overwhelming at the time, but, you know, the decision I made was the, you know, the decision I made. And, uh, you know, Tulane, we had a really good recruiting class. I think we had like the top ones in the nation, like one of the top ones in the nation that year. But, you know, we lost a lot of guys, you know, from, from the draft. A lot of people signed. And then a lot of JUCO guys that had really good JUCO years ended up backing out because, you know, the guys from the strong commitments ended up signing, you know, in the draft. I was actually the last one to sign. So, uh, and then the, the the recruiting coordinator that recruited me ended up taking a head coaching job at, at another school. So that, that again was like, wow. I was like, wow, this, this is really happening. Yeah. A lot of stuff kind of fell apart there for, uh, for Tulane with that class and your, your, your baseball America draft report from that year. Um, one of the things they, that that's referenced in that report is that your signability, um, you know, was, was, of, was up for debate and, you know, signability, obviously in the, in the prospect world is, you know, how committed is a guy really to going to college? What's the difference between his number and his actual value? Um, where, where were you really, um, on, on how, str- how strong was your commitment to Tulane? You know, how, how gung ho on you to going to college? Um, I know, I mean, you referenced, you know, your signing was pretty difficult, you know, how, how ready were you to, to be in college or was the draft still your higher priority going into your well, senior year? Well, uh, my senior year, you know, I had a really good, you know, senior year, but uh, I mean, of course, a lot of other things that we played with, yeah, in our district, you know, pitched around me and it, it was, it was pretty difficult, got a little frustrating it and then having, you know, the pressure with the whole, you know, draft and everything. Uh, but I was still able to put up some, uh, some good, good numbers, but I mean, my mindset was always, you know, uh, you know, going to school, you know, I was, I was going to hold on going to school and I would, I would tell the scouts too, you know, like, Hey, it's going to take you know quite a bit of money to get me to, you know, back away from my commitment from school. And, uh, you know, they'd always try to, you know, like push, you know, like, Hey, well, what's your number? What's your number? You know, and then the agent at the time told me, you know, don't, uh, or advisor at the time told me, uh, you know, not to, uh, you know, throw out any numbers, you know, don't, don't put yourself out there, you know, but the, you know, these, uh, the scouts, you know, they're, they, they'd say, they try to put words out of my mouth and stuff, you know, made it, you know, pretty difficult. Um, so, you know, that whole process was, uh, you know, a little overwhelming too, but, you know, I just try to focus and, uh, focus on, you know, my senior year and just put up good numbers and let everything just else fall in place. What were your friends and family like in that at that time? Because I know like a couple, you know, a couple of my friends um, were getting scouted and ended up getting drafted. And it's easy when it's not your decision to say, oh, man, you got to take the money. You got to worry about the draft. Were you getting pulled out from both sides as far as go to college, get drafted? How was it? What was it like dealing with that? Yeah. Um, you know, my mom, she was always like, you know, she, she'd rather me go to school. You know, she uh, she preached, you know, school was very important. You know, both my sisters went to college and you know, they're doing well. Uh, and so, uh, that was kind of like leaning more towards school. My dad, on the other hand, he was, you know, seeing the other side of it. He was like, well, you're young now. The nationals at the time weren't the best team. Uh, you know, you know, they were new coming from, you know, Montreal. So they're kind of, you know, starting off and, you know, they had a rough couple of years and 
Well, I mean, I didn't know at the time, you know, but, you know, at the time, you know, there's some, you know, teams that were, you know, you know, pushing me like youth, you know, you're young now, you know, you'll be 18 when you graduate high school. And so he kind of saw more towards the high school side of it, you know, like, you know, there's a lot of guys, you know, you know, I say, oh, well, Ken Griffey Jr. signed out of high school and, you know, you know, all these other guys, you know, but I mean, I didn't really have like a preference, you know, I was more, you know, Honestly, I was probably more leaning towards the you know the school side, and if I got the got the money, you know, like good good money to like walk away from, you know, the whole college experience because you know a lot of my friends were committed to you know to some uh, into schools, and I was already committed to Tulane, and I I went to my orientation and I signed up for all my classes, met up with my academic advisor, so you know I was really uh, you know gun hold for going to school. I was excited about it, you know. I'm, especially since I, I didn't mind the academic part of it. I don't know. I mean, there's there's people out there where school isn't for them, you know. So uh, maybe they would lean more towards going and taking the money. But, uh, you know, it was, it was a pretty difficult decision, you know, to, to you know, you know, sign out of high school or, or, or go to school. So uh, I just went out there and played and then, uh, you know, ended up getting drafted and all that stuff. So, but, I mean, yeah, hearing it from all, all different other people, you know, especially like friends, you know, they they were like, oh, and then especially people I played against, they're like, oh, no, you're not going to go to school. You're going to you're going to sign out of high school. And, uh, and then people I played against, too, uh, they're like, oh, no, he's he's not going to school. He, he's just committed and uh, just to commit just to, you know, just in case something happens. And then but now he's going to sign out of high school for sure. And then playing, you know, like I said earlier, playing against uh, or playing with, you know, like guys like Hosmer and, and, you know, guys of that caliber where, you know, you knew they were going to go up high in the draft and then you know me being like right there with them you know in the same talks and and uh i was like you know so it was was, was a little difficult you know because you're getting pushed towards one side from your friends and people you play against and then like you know my sisters were like you know you should go to school and experience you know the whole college experience and and um give you more time to mature and and you know so 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 it was like back and forth so it was like i said you know this whole the whole process was overwhelming at times and you know making decision you know when that time when that time happened when it when it came when the opportunity came it was you know it was difficult to say yeah you know i'm gonna go uh, you know the pro route instead of going to college and so that came around that was kind of an interesting situation for you um you know you, you weren't a high pick you were a 15th round pick obviously in baseball you know it doesn't doesn't always matter where you're picked mm-hmm. but what was draft day like for you? Were you disappointed when the early rounds passed? Because obviously if you're an early round pick, the slot for your pick is higher. There, there's more of a chance that you might get offered something close to your number. Were you disappointed that you you know headed to the 15th round and it seemed at that point like the decision might have been made to go to school for you? What was kind of going through your head during draft yeah, day? Yeah, the, the advisor I had, he had called me during the draft. and it was, it was the first day of draft asking if I would take slot for a certain pick, and I was just like, no. Nah. Like I'm, I'm, like I told him no. I mean, he knew the number that I had at the time, and you know, which was you know, I you know, I wanted seven figures. You know, that was like the only way I was gonna take me away from, from going to school. So I guess when he, when teams would call him asking if I would sign for slot at this pick, you know, he'd say, well, no, he, he's gonna go to school if, unless he gets this amount of money. So, you know, I felt like, you know, maybe like those, uh, you know, so teams. You know, they all talk, you know, so maybe one team called and said, like, no, he's not going to take that. So that's whenever uh, I felt 
drastically in the draft. So then, you know, word spreads fastly during that whole process, and uh, other teams got a, got a hold of that information. So I ended up, you know, going down to the 15th round, uh, which, I mean, of course I was disappointed at the, at the time. Uh, you know, even though I didn't mind going to school, but I was like, wow, you know, I had really good summers and really good uh, you know, high school seasons. And then, you know, then being on the USA team, I felt like, you know, maybe that would those that was enough to you know maybe get picked up in the you know, first couple of rounds but uh you know it didn't happen i was a little a little sad uh but i got over it the first day and then um i went to i didn't, I didn't honestly pay attention to the draft anymore after you know a while i just kind of like i went to a buddy's house and we were just hanging out and playing pool and going swimming it was you know summertime so where they're having a good time and then he was the only one that was like keeping track of everything and then he uh he saw he saw my name get picked and he's like jp like you, you just got picked i was like i was like really oh wow, that's cool and then he's like yeah man the nationals took you in the 15th round i was like oh wow and then shortly after that i got a phone call and and then i, I you know i talked to them and they said you know uh you know your number we, we know what your number is you are gonna you know work hard and see if we could get to get to that point uh, he's all, but you know, we, we took your, we took your name and, uh, just want to congratulate you and getting chosen. So that was, that was that, you know, after that, I just, uh, they, I mean, like, like they tell me they knew what I wanted. So I just went about my summer and, uh, I was playing for the Houston Kyle Chapman, a team out of Houston. And, uh, we were all, all really stacked, you know, I played with, uh, Taylor Featherston, and Kyle Winkler and, uh, Robbie was all, Robbie Grossman. He was also holding out. Uh, he, I think he got picked in the sixth round um, by the Pirates, and uh, he was also holding out. So, uh, you know, he was going to UT, and I was going to Tulane. And there's all the other guys on our teams, you know, like TCU, uh, for Taylor Foster and Kyle, and uh, who else did I play? Kyle, uh, Jeremy Rathjen, he was going to Rice. So we had a really stacked D1, like, uh, caliber team. Uh, we ended up going to the, the Pony World Series, and uh, in California and San Jose, we ended up winning that. So the Nationals were keeping up with everything that I did in the summer. And I had a really good summer. Uh, I got, uh, I think I was like the batting champion of that, that World Series. So uh, I got like a plaque and everything. And they knew about everything before, you know, they didn't even have to hear it from me. So, um, but uh, it, it came later on in August, you know, close to August. So I, I knew for sure I was going, you know, to Tulane. I didn't even think it was a, possibility to sign with the nationals uh i didn't think they were gonna come up with what i wanted so uh you know i was gonna hold you know going to Tulane, and then uh, i guess uh i forgot his name i think his name was aaron 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 crow story with the nationals 2008 draft they drafted aaron crow ninth overall and uh didn't come to terms i think he got he got picked up picked around the same spot next year by the royals um, but the, the Nats had, had money to spend. What was that like getting, you know, h- how fast did things change for you? Yeah, it changed quick. Uh, you know, Jim Bowden had invited me to, uh, I guess they're, you know, weighing their options and a couple, uh, weeks before the deadline, they invited me up to Nationals Park and me and my area scout, uh, Tyler Wilt, uh, we went up there, my mother joined, we went up there and, uh, you know, they took us on the tour of Nationals Park and, you know, I sat around with all their front office guys and then Jim Bowden was there and, 
they invited me to, they said, Hey, would you like to, uh, we'd like to see you hit some BP. Do you mind taking some batting practice for us? And I was like, yeah, no, 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 I don't mind at all. So, uh, suited up, they got me, you know, Jersey and baseball pants, everything. So I was, you know, I was in Nats gear. So it was awesome experience to be out, you know, on uh, the big league field and, admiring all the you know being around all the big leaguers ryan zimmerman was there and you know i got to talk to him and he was of course the face of the franchise uh, at that at that time and uh, so it was cool to just hang out and you know feel like the big league vibes and stuff and uh ended up taking batting practice in the last round and uh i mean i guess it was just like the adrenaline or, or something I, I put on a, a pretty pretty good show you know every every jim Bowden was in the back and he's like uh telling the, the the BP coach where to throw it and stuff. So he'd tell me to hammer me in and, you know, I'd pull the ball and hit it, you know, way up in the upper deck. And I'd hit a, you know, I hit a lot of balls out of the ballpark. And then he'd tell him to go away and I'd drive it into the left center field gap. And uh, I guess, you know, after seeing that BP, that kind of, that motivated them to, uh, you know, go ahead and take, uh, you know, take a chance on, on me. And, um, you know, the weeks went by and, you know, I, I, we had a good time the rest of the time uh, there at Nationals Park. We saw a game, and we were able to eat dinner there at their, like, VP, the VIP area where the food and everything was free. So it was pretty cool. It was a neat experience. So uh, I guess, you know, that right there, I was like, wow, I mean, I wouldn't mind. You know, I could see myself here. So when I – but then I, you know, went back to reality, went back to Texas. And, uh, you know, I didn't hear too too much uh, after that. I, I kept in te- – uh, touch with the cross checker too he's from san antonio jimmy gonzalez and he heard about how well i did up there and tyler or tyler will told him you know well jp did really good up there and so they were them two were pushing for me uh especially being from you know texas to you know sign so they were of course putting in their two cents with uh, jim Bowden and all the front office people and uh, you know wow Weeks passed. Uh, we took a family vacation to New York City, me and uh, my family, my sisters, my mom, and my uncle, my aunt from San Antonio, and their two daughters actually lived in, in New York City. So we went up there kind of like because we did it for my older sister. We kind of did like a little vacation before school started. So this was like kind of like my vacation before I started there at Tulane my first semester. And uh, actually theirs, whenever the Nationals called and right at the deadline the 15th august 15th they were like you know jp uh we're gonna give you what you want and they gave me an offer and you know i ended up uh i ended up signing right right then and there and then uh so the next day they faxed over everything and i signed paperwork sent it in and then jim Bowden was like hey uh you know we're in the middle of a playoff run with the gulf coast league nationals what's the earliest you could head out you know i was in new york city so uh, I was like, well, I, I mean, I had no choice. I was, I was like, well, I'll, I'll, I'll head out tomorrow. So uh, I remember booking a flight uh, real quick, going back to Texas and just packing uh, packing my bag and then uh, my baseball gear. And then the next day I was on a flight to uh, to Melbourne or to Orlando, Florida. And then uh, I was suited up the next – well, actually when I got there, there was I think there was like a hurricane going on. So days – you know, I got there the next day. Uh, there in Florida, but uh, we didn't start playing till like five days because the the waters were soaked from the hurricane. But uh, you know, I was in uh, I signed, so I was, I was in pro so ball. So you go so. from 
about to be about to head to college, you go from essentially college student to pro baseball player in about three days. It has to be a complete whirlwind. Yeah, it was, it was crazy because my, my mind was like, oh, well, it didn't happen. It wasn't meant to be, you know, you know, God has a plan, you know, for me to go to college. So, you know, I, at first, you know, everybody was a little like, oh, like, like, you know, for sure. Like we thought, you know, you're, you know, you went up to the national stadium, put on a show like, you know, they got to come up with it. But, uh, but you now it got to like deadline, like 12 midnight for, you know, so the anticipation and everything it was, it was, it was, it was crazy. So uh, we all were celebrating there. Uh, we were eating at some pizza place that my my cousins had uh, took us to. There was some famous one in New York. I forgot the name of it, but uh, you know it, it happened. And uh, the next day, I was on a flight uh, back to Texas. Yeah, and then the next day after that, I was in Florida, back uh, starting my professional career. So on that flight to Florida, um, you just signed your professional baseball player. What's your expectation for yourself? There's obviously every scout in the world, you know, every scouting, you know, Baseball America has a report on you, what their expectations are for you. What were your expectations for yourself? I, uh, one thing in, in every report on you, and one thing that was known, I mean, just a little, you know, personal thing, one thing that was known about our area is you were an incredibly hard worker, you know, you had that batting cage in your backyard. Um, so you're, you're, your makeup drew a lot of praise. What were your expectations for yourself? Um, you know, did you think I'm going to be in, I'm going to be starting out in the outfield for the nationals in a couple years. I'm going to light it up. How did you feel about yourself and your future and your prospects? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, going back to, you know, I said earlier, how, uh, you know, the nationals at the time that they weren't the best team you know, they had some tough years. So I felt like, uh, you know, whenever I got chosen by the nationals, like, wow, this could, this could be a really good opportunity. And then, uh, you know, doing my homework, I, I saw the outfield was, was pretty open. I didn't, there wasn't really nothing holding me back, I felt. So, uh, you know, I honestly saw myself being up there uh, in, a, in a, you know, in a couple of years. I didn't think I'd, I'd be the be in the minor leagues too long. And, you know, I try to go with that mindset into pro ball, you know, uh, you know, thinking the same way I felt like in when I was in high school, which is kind of, you know, confident. You know, I've never been like a cocky person, but I just kind of let my my performance do the talking, and you know, always, you know, just show show what I could do on the field. So, uh, you know, I just kept with that mindset. I'm just going to go out there and do do what I've been doing, and uh, everything should speak for itself. So, uh, you know, my expectations were, you know, pretty high to you know, get up to the the big leagues quick, and you know, uh, the times there in the Gulf Coast League, I did really well, and did well in the playoffs too. hit a home run in the playoffs. So, you know, we did, we had a, uh, made a really good playoff push, got to the championship. Uh, we played against the Gulf coast, uh, Gulf coast league Phillies. And, uh, we ended up losing to them in the championship. So, uh, you know, but I felt like, you know, I played a pretty important, uh, part on that team to, you know, you know, put some big, uh, runs in that playoff push. So, um, you know, it was exciting to, uh, you know, be on the field and, and uh, playing, you know, on the professional level. So uh, my first, uh, you know, short stint of of uh, rookie ball was, you know, pretty memorable uh, experience. And then going into uh, instructional league right after that, I did did also did well. You know, they worked with our with with us. You know, the Nationals did a really good job of, you know, doing the the developing part. You know, working on skills and stuff. So, you know, we did a lot of, you know, outfield drills, trying to you know get my outfield. Uh, you know, on point and stuff. And they, they, uh, I had, uh, I forgot the name it was, 
it was was the outfield coordinator. Well, I know Tony Tarasco. He was he was he's a really good coach too. He, he worked on my outfield a lot. So uh, we had I had some really good coaches there too. So you know they were there to develop. So especially in instructional league, you go in there. You know we played games against uh, the Braves, uh, the Astros, and the Tigers. That was kind of like our little little circle of teams that we played in and for instructional league so it was a good experience and then uh, it motivated me to get ready for the off in the off season for the upcoming season in 2009 so what's that first off season like you know a couple months beforehand you're a high schooler and and then suddenly you get back to new Braunfels or wherever you get back to and you're a professional your friends are off at college most of them mm -hmm. what is that off season like how did you you know, how, how did you handle that off? Did you have anyone tell you, Hey, this is what you need to do. Or did you just try to figure something well, out? Well, the, the strength conditioning coaches there at, with the nationals, they'd give you uh, you know, a workout plan to follow and things that you should work on and stuff. They kind of did like a evaluation of you and the things you could work on to get ready for this upcoming season. And then, uh, so I was able to uh, get off of that and then, you know, looked up some other personal, I mean, like other, you know, uh, private, you know, trainers, you know, they're like at a, I think I worked out at a, I forgot the gym. It was, it was like, I think it was a gold's gym. So I had like a personal trainer at that time, uh, my, that first year. So I worked out with him and gave him the plan from the nationals so they kind of worked hand in hand together. And then I do a lot of the running and conditioning stuff uh, on my own too. Uh, and then I already had my routine for hitting and, uh, you know, but you got to learn how to work, especially where I was at and kind of work on your own. Cause on, like you said earlier, I don't have those guys that were, that were my teammates in in high school, uh, there, you know, to you know, go take BP or throw me batting practice or let's hit me some fungo. Um, I was on my own. So I had to do a lot of this stuff on my own which was, uh, you know, a bit of a challenge. Um, sometimes I'd go to back to the high school and, uh, you know, play catch with some of the guys there, uh, you know, just so I could get some some drills, uh, some reps in. And uh, the coach that ended up taking Coach Garza's spot, uh, Coach Martinez, he, he was a really good – he did really well and threw me really good BP every time I asked him and stuff like that. So, you know, you just had to you know, make it work, get your work in and uh, get ready – for that upcoming season. Cause I mean, everybody's doing the same way. So you want to be on top of your game coming into spring training. You don't want to wait for spring training to get ready. So that was, uh, you know, that was kind of my mindset. My mindset every off season was to work hard. That way I'm ready to go when I get to spring training. So that was the plan for each one. So your first, uh, your first spring training, you head up and there's, I, I guess, the way to say it is there's turmoil. Um, the guy who signed you, Jim Bowden, resigns in March of 2009, which is during your first spring training. Did that, did that affect you at all you know, at, that, at that moment? Were you kind of like, where does this leave me? What, how did, you know, what was that experience like? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Jim, during the Instructional League, we, we were able to talk for, for a while. And he's like, man, uh, you're doing really well. I'm, I'm excited for you. And he was just like so passionate about, uh, you know, about me and my performance and so happy that I signed. And he's like, man, you're going to, you're going to start in low A next year. Like you already had it like all mapped out. And, you know, he was very aggressive moving players up. Uh, I remember Justin Maxwell was in high A uh, for, uh, for majority, I think for that whole year. And then they, he, he gets a 
uh, call up in the big leagues from high A to the big league. So that was pretty, uh, you know, pretty crazy. So he was known to do stuff like that. So uh, he was pretty aggressive about moving me up to low A that next year. I guess, you know, just seeing how I performed in rookie ball and then instructionally he had, you know, pretty high expectations and had me on the fast track. So, you know, when that whole thing happened uh, with Jim, you know, uh, with the allegations and stuff and having him uh, resign and, uh, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a blow on, uh, on how I was going to accelerate through uh, the minor league system. Because, uh, I mean, not only he left, uh, anybody that was associated with him, anybody that he brought, you know, everybody left. So they kind of cleaned house and brought in new people and a couple people stayed. And, uh, but, but yeah, so it was kind of like starting over again from, uh, from where I was. Uh, now I have to go ahead and prove myself again. And um, then they reevaluated everything and people came in from all different, different types of, from different teams and had no idea who I was. And, so it kind of like put me on the back. I feel like it kind of put me on the back burner a little bit, kind of like, well, I mean, he just signed, right? And he was, you know, like 15th round pick and he signed for money. But, you know, uh, out of high school, why don't we kind of put him back a little bit, keep him here in instructional, I mean, in uh, extended spring training. You know, I had a really good spring training that year, too. I did really well. And then, uh, you know, getting the news that I wasn't going to break camp uh, after that first camp of spring training, uh, you know, it was it was a little uh, upsetting, so I ended up staying for extended spring training and then uh, going out to uh, short season A, which majority of uh, college kids, you know, who sign out, uh, you know, get picked up in the draft. That's like their their league. So I, I stayed, you know, that uh, after camp, I, I stayed there in uh, extended spring training for a while, and then whenever the season started for short season A, I headed up to uh, Vermont, and that's where uh, I started my second season there, and. and uh, in Burlington, Vermont, playing for the uh, Vermont Lake Monsters. You know, it's your first full season of ball. It's the first, you know, you got that little taste of the of the GCL, but it's your first full experience in, in professional baseball. You played 72 games out there. You know, how prepared did you think you were? What, you know, kind of what were your expectations for the season versus how prepared, you know, do you, were you actually? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that league was uh... – from going from Gulf Coast League to there, I mean, like I said like earlier, those guys are, you know, three years older than me. You know, they're coming right out of college and stuff. So, um, you know, and then the pitching, I felt, was, you know, a lot different. I guess in the Gulf Coast League, a lot of people were heavy on the fastball, you know, that through 98. Uh, maybe some places that we – some teams that we played, they didn't know where the 98 was going, but <laughs> – but I mean, it, you saw a lot more fastballs. I felt like in the Gulf Coast League. But uh, when we when I headed up to Vermont in that uh, New York Penn League, I noticed that there was a lot more more crafty and more on the breaking ball. And uh, you know, so uh, that made it a little difficult because, uh, especially you know, being you know, of course, everyone wants to hit, hit the fastball. So it kind of like was like pitch backwards a little bit. A lot of a lot of the counts I got where I felt like I was going to get a fastball, I'd get, you know, a changeup or, you know, a breaker or something like that. So it kind of threw me off a little bit. But, you know, baseball is a game of adjustments. And uh, I felt like I was able to make, uh, you know, some pretty good adjustments and, uh, you know, have a pretty pretty good year. Uh, I felt like I could have done, you know, better maybe uh, average-wise. Maybe, uh, you know, like I said, wanting to hit all the time, 
uh, you know, I'd probably swing at some bad pitches and get myself out instead of taking, taking my walks, uh, especially in that, that first season, you know, I dealt with a little bit with it my senior year there getting walked a lot, uh, in high school, but you know, uh, these guys, uh, you know, using their off speed a lot is, it was, it was, it was was a challenge, but I mean, like I said, the game's uh, about adjustments. I, you know, I put on a, a good, a good enough year, uh, where, you know, for my first pro pro professional, you know, uh, you know, season, I felt like I did pretty well. And then having to deal with that age gap, you know, where there was, you know, a mixture of all these, uh, older guys, you know, uh, you know, I, I feel like I carried myself pretty well for that first, first season. How did you deal with the, the off field aspects a year before, you know, exactly a year before you're in short season, you're living at your, you know, you're living at your parents' house. How'd you mm-hmm. deal with the life, the lifestyle of a, a minor league baseball player? Because it's minor league baseball player is not like a prospect in the NBA or the NFL. They're still living a life of luxury. They're staying in Marriott's. They're taking private flights. You were in hotels riding, you know, riding buses. What is that like to adjust yeah. to as a 19 year old kid? Yeah, honestly, it was a, it was a shock. It was, it was a shock to be, uh, you know, cause you're, especially being in a little town of New Braunfels, you know, you don't get too much, you know, uh, you know, different, you know, backgrounds of, 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 of people. Uh, so, I mean, you're from Texas, so everyone's, you know, you know, got, you know, country, especially out there in, in, uh, New Braunfels, you know, a lot of farmers and stuff like that. So it was different going from that and then going to, you know, now I'm, I'm in a pool of different backgrounds. You know, I got people, people from, you know, the Dominican Republic who, you know, uh, you know, who are, that's what they do, man. They, they play, that's their, that's their out, you know, that's what they need to do to get out of that, that, uh, country to make something of themselves and just to, to uh, support their family. So, uh, everybody has their motives from, you know, their country, you know, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, and, uh, you know, of course here in the U S also. And, Mexico. I mean, even some Japan people from Japan. I remember I played with a guy from Japan too for a little bit. So it was, it's uh, you know, a culture shock a little bit because uh, you know you're around all these different backgrounds. You're by yourself, and you're just like, wow, like you know, uh, I'm you know, this is a little like you know, um, I go from you know being in this small town to you know now being uh, with all these all these p- different people, and it was a culture shock at first, but um, you know, you, you become like, they become your brothers. You're around them all the time and you learn to, you know, to see their culture and absorb their culture and how, you know, you respect what, what they, what they believe in. And, you know, I always got along with everybody. I was always uh, a nice guy. So I, you know, I try to make friends with everybody and, and uh, it was a little, it was a little different at first, but it took some changing, but, uh, you know, I got through it and, you know, I made some really good friends and, uh, a lot of good relationships, uh, you know, in, in the baseball world. But yeah, I mean, going from, you know, being with your family and everything. And then now these guys, uh, that you're around with 24 seven on bus rides on in, in the hotels and on the field. Uh, and then your, your manager, you're like, you know, you become like a, like a small little family. And then, uh, and then when the season's over, you're like, oh, wow, I miss, I miss those guys. and Can't wait to see them again uh, next year and stuff. So you, you, you develop, you know, really good uh, relationships with those, those folks. 
Another kind of contrast, I think, between the NBA and the NFL with their young guys is um, obviously, you know, first round NFL draft pick. He's in a locker room surrounded by older guys, guys who have been through it, guys who can you know, help mentor them, help kind of teach them the ropes. You're, you know, with you were you were on the younger side of your your short season team, mm-hmm. but you know the oldest guy at most on that team is probably fresh out of college, twenty two, twenty three. Mm-hmm. Who did you, you know, who did you go to? Who did were there outlets for you to kind of lean on to teach you how to be a professional, how to go about your business, how to you know live? I think like anyone, you know, at that age when they're in college, they're probably calling their parents, being like, "How do I iron a shirt? I don't know something." Who did you kind of lean on as a as a mentor? Were, were there other players, like older guys, coaches, you know, managers? Yeah. Who, who'd you kind of lean on during those times to to help you get accustomed to being a professional? Yeah, um, Bobby Henley was our was he's a third base uh, coach now for the big league, so he was actually my manager there in, in rookie ball, and then he was also in charge of uh, running the instructional league. He was a uh, you know a really good coach of, of ours, and he he was able to relate to you know, help talk. He was there to teach, you know, the young kids, you know, from all from the Dominican, you know, young kids like me from high school, just like how to carry yourself and how to, you know, respect the game and go about it and just be uh gun hold. So he was a very passionate coach and he did a really good job of, you know, uh, you know, showing me the ropes pretty much of pro ball. And then in, uh, when I went to short season, I, I met my manager was Jeff Garber. Again, one of those guys that were just, just passionate about baseball and and uh he was a very good manager and he i mean he a lot of people so he was i mean he was you know in your face and he'd get on your ass a lot and and stuff but i mean he just he knew what you were capable of so i felt like you know he pushed you to want to better yourself so uh you know i had really good managers in the coming up with the nationals you know everybody was really passionate about uh, about the game and how you carried yourself if if I were to pop a ball up and then look at it and then trot to first base, like he'd call me out and and jump on my ass about it. So he just all around taught you how to carry yourself and how to play the game. And uh, you know, after that, I never <laughs> I never jogged out another ball, pop fly after that. So uh, he just I had really I mean he was a really good manager, especially having my first uh, first season of of uh, pro ball. Well, my first you know since I held out for the for the golf course, for, I mean, for my rookie season, I held out to because uh, of signability. But um, having him and he was also there in uh, extended spring training too. So how, knowing him that he was going to be my manager kind of developed, uh, you know, a good relationship with him. And then when we got to Vermont, you know, kept that same relationship going. I think the minor league baseball stereotype for especially young guys um, is living on you know peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and and stuff like that. And it's the first time you're on your own, uh, you know, just in life in general. Was there any sort of stereotypical minor league food that you were living on? Were you living on whatever clubhouse spread you guys had? How was it, you know, tending to yourself? Because there, there's no, uh, there's no dorm cafeteria in in MILB. No, yeah, no. I mean, it was it was like it, like it, like it said. <laughs> Definitely PB and J's all the time, and. Especially, uh, you know, like in uh, Vermont, we, we didn't really have much of a spread at all. Luckily, there was a little sandwich shop behind the left field uh, left field wall. It was called Campus Kitchen. So before games, a lot of us would go over there and uh, 
grab a sandwich before uh right after bp and eat it that way we have something in our stomachs to get ready for the game uh rookie ball it was a little bit better because you know we're there in the spring training complex so we had a little bit of a spread and uh short season i mean uh low a uh we had a pretty good clubby i mean we had some sandwich meat some tbaj of course that's like a necessity that's like in every every uh even even in the big leagues they probably have pb and j you can't you can't get rid of pb and j <laughs> but uh but yeah i mean i guess the higher you went up the better the spread was supposed to be and then uh, i remember uh we had some like big league rehabbers like they'd come down and have a rehab start and you know we knew that we were going to get uh you know a good spread uh when they came so it was always like a something to be excited about for after the game like oh wow they you know uh, we got this guy coming in. He's going to lay out a good spread. And so, uh, and then sure enough, you know, we'd have like Carabas or, or, uh, is it called? Uh, I'm trying to think what other places that, you know, like Chili's or Outbacks. And they'd come and, you know, feed us for that, uh, that night because, you know, those guys, uh, would come down for their rehab starts and stuff. So it was, it was, it was but other than that, it was like, uh, you know, yeah, like you said, you had to get used to the peanut butter and jelly or, you know, uh, if there's anything around close by, you know, grab a little sandwich or something, Panera bread, especially when I was in, in high A, there was a Panera bread. I always make sure I'd like get a sandwich from there, uh, before games and stuff like that. Or I think in low A, there was actually a Chipotle. So sometimes we, <laughs> we, I'd go, That's always a win. Yeah. I would go with some guys. I didn't have my, my car up there in, in, uh, Maryland. So, uh, I'd ride with them and you get like a Chipotle. I eat like, half a bowl before uh, before the batting practice and then right before the game I eat the other half so it was all cold and stuff but uh, at least uh, <laughs> at least I had fuel in my body to get through the game so but no it's a grind it's definitely what it is like you said earlier you know like you know you get the rookies that come uh, sign out of basketball and, and football and they, they get you know treated like luxury but now nah, it's I guess that's why the reason why you're able to sign out of high school uh, you know, because you got to go, I mean, you're, you're young, right. And you go through all that stuff and there's so many steps to get to, uh, to where you want to be versus, you know, going to college and then, you know, going in the, the D league for NBA and then go and there's only one step to get to, you know, the NBA and then, uh, well, NFL, I don't even think there's like a minor thing, right. There's just like a practice team or something like that. And then, yeah, there's the practice squad and then yeah. it's either that or you're on the roster. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's the reason why they allow uh, players to still sign, you know, out of high school and stuff. But I mean, it's, it's definitely a grind. It's, it's a shock. I mean, it's a grind. Not only, you know, you play 72 games in a, in a short amount of time. I'm sure you had years in high school where you played 72 games, but not every single day, Yeah. you know, a, a late game. But the travel, too. Yeah, the travel, yeah. Minor League's famous for the bus rides. Oh, Did yeah. you have bus ride essentials? I know in college I got the same thing from a gas station before every single road trip we had. Yeah, we would always uh, stop at a gas station before the long bus ride and and um well sometimes we would sometimes we would and they'd tell us ahead of time like hey make sure you got what you need because we're not going to stop because we got to get there at a certain time so uh you know those were those were always the brutal ones but you know i would get like uh some kind of chips or slim jim or something and then definitely have like somewhat of like a sandwich or uh like or like i said earlier chipotle that way i have something to have and uh 
he always carried like this huge backpack because I'd always put my uh, laptop in there. I'd always make sure it was like fully charged and then have uh, backup batteries for my phone uh, just to keep me uh, entertained, you know, because I mean, especially in the South Atlantic League, my, my, the low A season, it was, we had some long bus rides because I was in Hagerstown, Maryland. I remember driving all the way down to Augusta, Georgia uh, for, for a series to play there in Georgia. So we played in Augusta and then we played in uh, Rome, Georgia, and then we kind of made our way back up north and then back back and then played another series somewhere else. And then, then we came back to Maryland. So that league was pretty spread out. So, um, you know, there were some, some long bus rides. I remember in the New York Penn League, we had this really old bus, and it was, it was scary to get on. And, uh, and when that thing broke down a couple times, and I remember having, a, like, uh, them the team sending another bus, and we had to take out all our stuff from that bus and put it on this new bus, and then we're on the way, and then that bus breaks down. The new bus breaks down. <laughs> and then... And then we had to get on, and then the, they fix the old bus. So we get, so then the old bus passes, passes us by and picks, picks up. We get our stuff from that new bus that was supposed to be, supposed to be fine, and uh, we put our stuff back onto the old bus. And then we get to the get to the ballpark, and we're, like we're uh, like an hour away from playing. So it was like a show and go. We had to just suit up and and play. So I mean, those some interest interesting stories. I remember. Uh, the one story that I'll always remember was in short season A. Uh, we were in um, it was the Hudson Valley, Hudson Valley Renegades. I think that was the Tampa Bay Rays short season A team, and uh, it was raining like cats and dogs. Like there, there's like no way we were playing. Like it's, it's it was Friday though, so you know you know how minor league teams are about Friday. You know fireworks. Got to get the Friday game in. You yeah. got to get the most attendance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was it was like like cats and dogs like not even, there's like no chance for playing it was like flooded and the water was coming into our clubhouse from the dugout it was like nah there's no way we're playing there's no shot at all and uh we waited it out we waited it out and then um they had to get the fireworks in and it was i remember like around 11 30 there uh, the umpires did like a walkthrough and that 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 uh that team was doing whatever they can. They're putting the cat litter on the field and trying to dry up all the dirt and squeegeeing the outfield, putting it in the, all the water in the drain. And they, they're, they wanted to get this game in. And I remember our manager, like first he came in, he's like, it's not looking like we're going to play boys doubleheader tomorrow. So, uh, but he's all, but don't check out, don't check out. Cause you never know, you know, we're short season, a ball, you know, he's all, but, uh, he said, he'll, he'll keep us up to, up to date. And then, uh, so uh, he always kept kept coming in and out, you know, every hour just to like, hey, don't check out, guys. You know, y- y'all stay mentally locked in. And then the, the umpires did a walkthrough, and I guess they must the other team must have paid them off or something. I don't know if they did, but they're like, hey, we really need to get this game in. But they talked in the umpires to get the game in, but it was already like 11.30, 11.45, close to 12. And they're like, well, what the team, and then our, our coach comes in, he's like, you know, what they're going to do, they're going to shoot the fireworks first, and then we're going to play our game. So the fans were all packed and everything. They wanted they wanted oh to see the fireworks. God. <laughs> so, yeah, so they shot the fireworks first. And uh, the field that we were at, we were like on a hill or something. We were high. I remember it was kind of, it was elevated. Uh, 
and so like that fog it was already like getting close to that time where fog was rolling and after they shot those fireworks man it it, it didn't clear out for a while so after the fireworks people left right but we still were had to get we still had to get the game in so we had to wait around even longer for that smoke and fog to clear out and man i don't even remember what time we started that game close to one <laughs> i don't think any those. story better exemplifies minor league baseball life than that one yeah i remember our manager was like you know hey, welcome to the minor leagues fellas you know you don't like it play better so we came in we suited up and we got ready for the game it was just nuts so <laughs> that was i'll always remember that game yeah so your next few years um you go you you do get into full season ball um your second full year you you go to you go to Hagerstown you have a pretty good year you know you you hit 296 you you had an 812 OPS pretty good year how do you feel at that point you know at, at the end of your your second year of pro ball you're 20 years old you've been a pro for over 2 years now do you feel like you have a better grasp of things and do you feel pretty good going into that next season in high A yeah, I mean, uh, I was 20 years old and, uh, you know, I had a really good year. I felt like, uh, you know, with the new people that they brought in, you know, they were kind of more on the slow track of, of, of how, how having wanting to develop players. Uh, I felt personally that I did, you know, well enough to get, you know, a promotion to, uh, to a high, you know, midway or a little after midway of uh, that season. Um, so I thought that kind of was like a little, little, little blow toward, to me, you know, I was a little down about that. So, uh, but you know, I, of course I wanted to continue to do well that season and I ended up well with real num really good numbers, like you said. And, uh, you know, I had a really good manager, uh, what was his name? Uh, Matt Lee Croy, Matt Lee Croy, he was my manager there in Hagerstown. And then I had Tony Tarasco there as a hitting coach and, uh, you know, so I was, I was always working, you know putting in it, getting my work in. I'd go in early with me and Dustin Hood. We'd always go in early, work with Tony and our hitting. And then we we go back and then uh, back to our, where we were living and then come back and get ready for batting practice. So, uh, you know, I showed, you know, that, you know, I'm here to, you know, get better, you know, every day. It was, I was always working, working on outfield or, or in the cage working with Tony. So, uh, you know, I felt like it was a little bit, it was a little disappointed to not get a call up to at least high a that season uh but you know it was more motivation in that off season like you said to you know to get ready for uh, you know the next season which would you know i was slotted to go to high a and i went to instructional league again did well and then uh off season uh you know got, got ready and uh and then then here we go again you know season three uh getting ready for uh or it would be season four, yeah, right? Yeah, because it was rookie ball. And then, your, your, third full, yeah. full, your third full year, yeah, yeah, my uh, third full you, year. you headed out to high. Yeah, yeah. high. Yep. So, uh, you know. So, yeah. The year before, you'd played 132 games. It was 60 more than you played in short season. I'm sure that's an incredible grind on your body. In, in 2011, you went to Potomac in high A, and you had, I mean, what your stats say is a tough year, but also you played 85 games. You went on the DL for the first time, or I guess the IL now. Mm -hmm. What is the, what is being on the minor league DL like? Yeah, I mean, uh, it was it was it was tough because you know I dealt with uh, you know a lingering injury. It kind of it happened in the off season of that. Uh, I worked out with this guy, and you know, we were doing some crazy lifting and 
just different things I've never done before. And uh, so my body wasn't used to it, but it was kind of like the new thing, right? You know, everyone's trying to get an edge on somebody else. So, I mean, everybody else is trying to get the edge up uh, on different workouts and stuff like that. And, you know, I remember tweaking something, and but I didn't think anything of it. And I just went along with it and just kind of like, you know, toughed it out. I've, oh, I'm young, right? So my body will heal on its own. But now I ended up being, you know, something pretty, uh, it just lingered the whole season. And, you know, then, uh, you know, having coaches to come in and, you know, putting that pressure on you, like, hey, what's going on? You're not doing as well as last year. And then they come and try to, you know, change things up. And uh, I felt like that kind of like put it, had a, you know, thing and, you know, kind of messed me up as well instead of letting me go out there and just work through it. And, and uh, you know, first, I mean, it wasn't smart enough. It wasn't smart to go and play with an injury. And you know, I ended up having like a slight tear in my L5 or something like that. Uh, came out, you know, to find later on in the season. And uh, that's what, that's when they finally just shut me down. They're like, no, you're done for the season. I didn't have to get surgery, thank God. But, you know, time was supposed to heal, heal it on its own. Uh, you know, but then having that to deal with and then having coaches come in, try to change this and change that. And, uh, you know, you, you start pressing and, you know, you that, that stress and the, you know, starts to get to you, you know, I've never dealt with failure before really. Uh, so that was kind of like my first like season where I was like, wow, like this is not going as what I expected. And, uh, so it was, it, was, it was pretty, you know, disappointed. I was down on myself. And then, of course, you know, having the Nationals too, uh, you know, kind of like I felt like that was like there, like, oh, well, he had a bad year. So, you know, kind of threw everything. Everything was kind of rolling and that kind of put everything on halt after that season. But, I mean, I tried to, you know, come back the next year, you know, come back. I don't know if I was fully 100% ready, you know, the next season. I started out in low way. I did well, did well enough, and then I got sent back up to uh, high again, and I, st- I still put up some respectable numbers, but uh, of course not the power numbers that I had put up the year before with uh, in 2010. So, do you think the injury is what was uh, what was contributing to that? Do you think that was still holding you back, or had you made some changes that you think kind of kind of held you back in in the power? Yeah, side? it was uh, it was probably a little bit of both. I don't think the back was fully healed yet. And then, uh, then having, you know, coaches in your ear, change this, change that kind of forget, you kind of forget what you, what got you there in the first place. You know, they kind of, uh, suggested to do this and then you kind of feel that pressure. Like, well, if if I don't do that, then they're going to think I'm not coachable. Right. So that, you know, having to deal with that on top of, you know, having injury things to deal with, you know, kind of put a lot of stress and pressure. And then you just, I remember at one point I was like, I don't even know what my swing is. I was like, like they're changing this and changing that. I don't even know what, what, what I don't even know exa- like exactly what, what my swing was, you know, back in high school. I, was, I remember looking at videotape and I'm like, it's there. It's, it's right there. Like, why, why can't I do that again? And just, it was all about feel too. And I was just like, it just doesn't feel right. And then, then they're like, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? So I felt like, you know, maybe in pro balls, you know, some sometimes they shouldn't like try to put their mark on you because I, I feel like I mean they're trying to get to the get to the big leagues too, right? So everyone's trying to put their mark on you. They're trying to 
like, well, I got him to do this and change this and that, and look what he's doing now. But sometimes it could go, you know, the other way. You know, sometimes it could happen with what happened to me. You know, like I changed this and changed that, and look, you know, my power numbers weren't weren't where they should have been, and my my average was fine, but you know, like I said, just the power numbers weren't there, and. uh in retrospect, you know, looking back on it over half a decade later, what would you have told yourself, especially in, in that 2011 season when you kind of struggled, you know, what would you have told yourself in 2011 and 2012? Um, you know, would you have done some things different? Uh, I probably would have just like, uh, you know, no disrespect or anything. I probably just would have just, you know, like, hey, I'm just, I'll just listen to him, but not go. Uh, maybe I wouldn't go and take exactly what they wanted me to do too hard and do exactly what they wanted me to do you know and then uh kind of like feel like a puppet i guess uh maybe i, I just would have stuck to my guns and be like okay i'd be respectful listen but just go ahead and keep doing what got me there in that first place but i mean and then probably speaking up a little bit earlier on on that injury instead of playing as long as i should maybe i should have just told them like hey this is bothering me let's get it checked out now and uh and uh, go from there instead of playing, you know, majority of the season and then having my numbers suffer because of that and then kind of get, you know, marked like while having a bad year, you know, a lot of people don't know the backstory of it was because due to, you know, an injury that I had and then, you know, and then having that injury on top of that, having to deal with, you know, the other stuff of, you know, changing of mechanics and swing and approaches and stuff like that. So, you know, it got it got a little overwhelming at, at times, and you know, uh, I just remember that season ending. I was just like, I just wanted it to be over with. Like, you know, next year is going to be a new year, and uh, I could come back from it. You know, I'm still young. I'm, I just barely turned 21. You know, a lot of some guys are starting out of high school. I mean, out of college. You know, they're professional. They're professional. You know, uh, you know, becoming a professional. So I felt like, you know, I'm still on track, you know, one year is not going to set me back. So I remember that off season and, you know, I worked hard and, and, uh, I still had to be careful because they, they told me not to do anything for, you know, till like late November or December. And then I had to go get like, uh, rehab. I was doing like rehab, uh, that time in the off season too, for my back to strengthen it up. And, uh, but I, I couldn't lift any weights or anything like that. So uh, maybe that had a, a part of doing maybe that had a part in you know power numbers not being there the next year because well i mean i didn't lift heavy weights i didn't work out the way i usually do and i didn't go you know train as hard as i could because uh, and i was shut down for so long so uh, i honestly didn't start training till like probably december mid-december early january which you know which is super late you know in an off season because the season ends like uh, you know, September, early September or mid-September. Uh, so you got that whole time to usually, you know, get ready in the off season uh, for the next season while I didn't get start getting ready until like during the holidays, December and January. And then February's early camp and then spring training is, is you know, late February, early uh, March. So, I mean, I kind of, you know, lost out on that time also. So uh, it, was, it was difficult just going through that little short time, 2011, 2012. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was like a, a rough patch. But, you know, I try to make the best of it and do, do as best as I can uh, to have a good year in 2012, which I thought it wasn't the best 
you know, numbers wise, like uh, power numbers wise, but I mean, I did, you know, have some good at bats and had a good, good average, but, uh, you know, I guess it wasn't, uh, you know, what they wanted for uh, a spot for the roster the next season. So heading into spring training of 2013, did you have any idea that your job might be in jeopardy or that you had to, you know, show out in spring training to make a club where, you know, essentially on March 20th of 2013, uh, right in the middle of spring training, the Nationals released you. Is that something you saw coming? It wasn't even honestly an idea of mine, you know, going into that spring training. I didn't even think, you know, I felt like, you know, the Nationals invested a lot of money in me, uh, you know, even though they cleaned house, I felt like, you know, well, this, there's still money invested in me. And I'm young, being 22, my, that season 2012 wasn't the greatest power-wise, power, power wise, but I put up, you know, a good enough, uh, you know, respectable season, uh, you know, to get a shot at, you know, making a squad. And if not, you know, at least maybe getting held in, uh, in uh, extended spring training and then maybe uh, finding a team, you know, finding a team then, you know, something opens up or if not, you know, just getting traded or something. But, uh, you know, they went ahead and uh, gave me my release and you know, I, was, I was pretty shocked. And uh, I remember uh, calling my mom and she was just like, wow, like, you know, no one really saw it coming. And, uh, you know, I felt like, you know, with the injuries and stuff, they'd at least give me a se- you know, a season to, you know, show them, that, you know, like, especially having a, you know, I had a good spring training. It wasn't bad. It wasn't, wasn't bad at all. I had, you know, some, I don't know if I had any home runs, but I had, had some doubles and, you know, played good defense and, you know, stole some bases. So I was like, you know, back, I felt like I was back. And, uh, but, you know, I guess they already had mine, had their mind set up at the time, you know, what rosters, who was going where. Uh, so it kind of really didn't really matter how well I performed in spring training. I felt like they already had their mind set up on, uh, on what they wanted to do. You know, I felt like they could have gave me my release maybe in the off season. That way it would have gave me time to, you know, find a, find a team. Usually, you know, on off season teams are trying to pick up players and stuff. So, uh, you know, to hold me out till days before camp breaks where, you know, all the teams have their, their roster spots filled, you know, kind of felt, I was kind of upset about that. And then, uh, you know, I didn't have the best agent, honestly, the agent that I had, at the time, he was, uh, you know, he was, he already had moved on to another player and kind of focused on that. So I kind of got put on the back burner with him. So uh, he didn't really do too much talking to when it came to, you know, how well it performed in, in low way. You know, I felt like if he was more talkative and in, you know, the, the player development people's ear, uh, you know, maybe things would have been different, you know, because you got to have really well representation and, you know, just from experience, you know, have someone there fighting for you, uh, in their ear all the time. And the guy that I had just, he just didn't do a good job at that. He was too quiet and, uh, nothing got done unless I asked him to do something. So, uh, so, you know, that right there, you know, a lot of key factors play into the part and, uh, you know, maybe I didn't, uh, you know, I look back and think maybe I didn't do a good job, you know, developing a good personal relationship with the uh, farm director at the time. Uh, maybe he felt like I, you know, didn't talk to him as much and didn't get on a personal level with him. And maybe he felt that kind of disrespect to him. I, I honestly don't know. Uh, but, you know, when he gave me uh, my release, he just, he's like, uh, you know, JP, we're going to give you a release and, you know, that way you could try your luck 
on another team. And I asked him, well, what's the reason? He's just like, well, we just don't see you a fit in our organization anymore. So it's better off that you go ahead and find, you know, find your luck, try your luck elsewhere. So, and he shook my hand and, you know, I remember at the time I was like super pissed and, you know, I, I did shake his hand, but, you know, I was just like, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what to say. So I just shook his hand and I, I walked out of the place and I was just, I was just like shocked about the whole thing. But, uh, you know, at the time I had some, you know, I felt really pissed off and, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, I know he's gone through some stuff and, uh, you know, personal stuff and, I mean, for years, I kind of had this kind of like, not hatred, just like, man, I, that guy, I just didn't, you know, I don't know. He never really gave me a legit, legit shot. I don't know. I don't know, honestly, but, uh, you know, I did have some strong negative feeling towards him, but, uh, you know, I got over it and, you know, time, time heals all wounds, I guess, but, uh, you know, he's gone through some stuff and, uh, personal stuff. And I remember uh, the guy that I kept in contact with was Ryan Thomas. Uh, he's, uh, he's in charge of minor league. Uh, uh, he's like a player, player development, I think. And he's the one that's in charge of, you know, our college and when I need to get it paid for and stuff like that. So I remember asking, I'm like, Hey, how's, how's uh, Doug doing? And I, you know, Cause uh, he had, I think it was like leukemia or some kind of blood cancer. And, and I just uh, wish him well, you know, uh, tell him I'm praying for him and stuff like that. So uh, I know he's gone through hard times and, you know, I, you know, I don't wish that any of that stuff on, uh, on my, you know, worst enemy, you know, so, you know, at time, at that time I didn't like him, but you know, things, you know, it's all water under the bridge now. So, so you head from, you know, you get your release, you head to indie ball for two years, you know, you go from being about league average age in a uh, low a high a, Suddenly, indie ball, you're four years younger and three years younger than, um, you know, than the league average. What what was that like for you mm-hmm. going from affiliated indie ball? Were there any big differences you noticed, and did your goals change? Uh, well, I mean, I remember getting released and having the guy, the agent that I had, you know, try to call teams or whatever, but nothing. And like I, like I said earlier, there's all the roster spots are filled, so there's like zero chance of me making it on a team. Uh, so the only route that I had was, uh, going the independent route. And, uh, I, I remember, you know, I was like, well, I'm not ready to give it up. I'm 22 years old. I'm or 23, 23, 22. I don't know. Well, yeah, 23, no, 22 still. Cause I, cause my birthday's in September. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, I'm still young. I'm not going to like give it up now. Like I still got a lot of baseball left in me. And I remember getting calls from, from uh i don't even know honestly there was like an independent you know league or anything it wasn't even like in my mind i didn't even know it existed but um i had a couple indie ball teams call me and stuff and you know of course then like i was like well in the minor leagues you get paid terrible like pennies and stuff like well indie ball was like slightly better so of course i was trying to get a little bit more money than you know than what i was making in the minor leagues and affiliated ball so uh you know i went with the highest you know, offer. So I went to, ended up playing in an American association in uh, the Sioux Falls, South Dakota, the Sioux Falls Canaries. So uh, I headed up to Sioux Falls and uh, I remember getting there. It was like freezing <laughs> at the time. It was like, it was, it was cold. And uh, we, I remember practicing spring training a little bit inside because it was, it was still kind of like somewhat snowing and stuff. 
So we had to like uh, do get ready for uh, spring training in there for a little bit, and then it started to heat up. So we went back outside, and we had scrimmages against uh, or preseason games against uh, the other teams in the league, especially the ones that were close by. So like uh, Sioux City uh, Explorers were one of the teams, so we'd play them quite a bit uh, just to get ready for the the season. But I remember going off. Uh, when that season started, I did really well. I went off and the first two weeks I did really well. I hit a couple home runs and then I got a call from the White Sox and, and saying that, that they were interested in signing me, uh, you know, for an outfield spot and uh, maybe start out in low A, maybe if the spot opens up in high A. Uh, so I felt like, you know, that opened up the doors. You know, I was like, okay, well, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to get back into affiliated ball. And I remember – uh, my my agent at the time didn't even know about it, so like, I told him like, "Hey, uh, hey, like I got a call from the White Sox, and they asked me, you know, well, I'll be interested to get back in affiliated ball." And I was like, "Yeah, no, that's that's the goal, uh, to get back into uh, get back into affiliated." So uh, I felt like something was gonna happen there, and uh, he's like, "We'll be ready, uh, you know, something's gonna happen within the next forty eight hours." And I never heard got a call back, so that that was a little bit. I was like, wow, like, I thought for sure, like, uh, I was going to get back into affiliated ball and prove, you know, that I, I still got it and that I could put up some good numbers. But, you know, that fell through. So, uh, you know, I always wondered, like, well, maybe am I, is there, like, uh, a reason why I didn't get that chance or something? I don't know if, like, I was blacklisted or something in, in uh, affiliated ball or what, but. I always like wondered like why 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 didn't anyone really pick me up after uh, you know getting released by the Nationals or in indie ball because you know I had a really good year uh, that first year in Sioux Falls. Was that the uh, last? Was that the last affiliated call you ever got? That call from the White Sox. Yeah, that was the last one. That was the last call with the White Sox. So so always like uh, you know I always wondered like well I never really I always I was always quiet like I mentioned earlier I just kind of let my talent do like my performance speak for itself right uh i never was loud or talkative or anything like that so uh, you know so i didn't really i never gave any reason why i would be blacklisted or anything like i didn't do any performance enhancing drugs i didn't get any kind of suspension or or any kind of drugs or anything like that so i always wondered like why why didn't i get you know a second shot at it and especially putting up two really good years in indie ball. I remember uh, in Sioux Falls, I did really well. I hit like over 300, 304, nine home runs and 50-something RBIs. And then uh, and, and when I got traded to Laredo the next year, uh, I hit two uh, – I mean, not two. I hit 308, 308 with 13 or something or some, – 13 or 14 home runs. I don't remember. And I had like 70 or 68 RBIs, something like that. I don't know my – stats exactly but i mean that's those are two respectable seasons and then being 23 24 like that's you know still young enough to get a you know a second shot so so i always wondered like you know did i get blacklisted somehow for any reason so i don't know if there's anyone out <laughs> listening to the podcast that has an answer for that i'd i'd love to know I I mean, (laughs) I do hope you get that. Uh, you, so you start going back to school when, uh, when you go to Laredo, what's that, you know, what's that like? Did you think, did you feel like you were about to start winding it down 
and calling it a career, you know, what made you decide to start going back to school? Was it just the, uh, the pressure of, well, you need to start to get it paid Yeah, for? I was playing, Pete Incavilli was our manager there with, with the Laredo Lemurs, and, uh, you know, I had a really good year there, and uh, I remember telling them, like, hey, uh, I have to start school, like, this off season, or else I'll lose my, uh, my college scholarship. Like, because uh, when I signed out of high school, uh, I negotiated, I think now it's mandatory, but back then you had to negotiate it in your contract to have school paid for. So, uh, so I got my signing bonus and on top of that, I got, uh, my school for Tulane university. So whatever I was going to have to pay there, uh, to go to Tulane, the nationals had to pay it for uh, the four years, uh, for, for, for the four years that I went to college. And, uh, I remember there was a, a deadline. As soon as you get released from affiliated baseball, you had two years from that release date to start your uh, to start your your scholarship. So I remember telling Pete, I was like, "Hey, man, uh, I'd love to play again. Uh, you know, I still got it in me." Because I remember telling myself, "If I don't get picked up at the end of this, like I'm just going to go to school, right? Like, uh, like that's it. I'm just going to focus on on my uh, getting my degree now." And, uh, but you know, it's easier said than done. You, you, you know, like you said, you being a baseball player, you know, it's, it's tough to let go of the game. Uh, so, you know, after having a pretty good year there with Laredo, I was like, man, I, I, I still got it. Like, I mean, I still want to give it a chance. Maybe there will be a team, uh, to give me a shot and pick me up. You know, I'll still be young, uh, you know, go be 25 years old. Uh, I, I don't see why there wouldn't be uh, a reason to get picked up. You know, I was well, maybe third time will be the charm. So I was like, hey, Pete, I'm going to go to uh, – I'd like to play another season. I'm, I'd like to play here in Laredo. I love playing here or whatever. And uh, so, I mean, the whole offseason I was, you know, already slotted to go back and play the next season. And then it so happened that – so I started in spring of 2015. That's when I had started school because we had gone on to playoffs, so I couldn't start that fall. Uh, so I had to start in spring of 2015 with my school and it was right before I got released in March 20 something, uh, in 2013. So yeah, so it was about two years I had to start before that, that 20 something, March 20 something. Well, the spring semester starts in January. So I had to start school then. So I ended up uh, going to school that spring and in, with the American association, it so happened that after school was whenever the season started or whenever spring training starts usually. Um, Cause it doesn't, it doesn't start like normal season. I think it's only a hundred games in, uh, in, in indie ball and that, in that league, particularly the American association. So it would have worked out perfect, but uh, Pete ends up uh, trading me uh, to Bridgeport, Connecticut in the Atlantic league, which that league started, you know, like normal starts normal time. And so they were already, we're playing and, and uh, I remember telling the the manager for Bridgeport, I was like, "Hey, man, like I can't go out there till till after the after my school's over with, because he uh, I don't know, I forgot what what month he traded me. I think they had just they were like they're probably like a month into the season or like three weeks or so into the season. Uh, so I wouldn't have I wouldn't have had a spring training or anything to get rid of. I just would have jumped in and and gone and played." But uh, I told him like he's like, hey JP, like are you gonna come out here? We got, we got your rights now, and and uh, we're ready for you to come. And I was like, 
I was like, well, sir, uh, honestly, I'm in, I'm in school. I still got like four more weeks left and then finals. So I'm not going to be able to make it out there till, till after that. And he's like, no, no, we need you now. Like it's either now or never. And I was like, well, I'm not going to like, I've already put in all this time for school. I'm not going to just go ahead and, you know, I had to think of my scholarship on top of that. I'm not going to go ahead and just drop that just so I could go and play any ball up in the Northeast. So, uh, I mean, that was kind of, I didn't really have the decision on that one. So I ended up, I was like, well, I guess that's it. So I'm just going to stay in school. So that's what I did that 2015 season. I went uh, spring, summer one and two, and then fall. I just did school. So that's your um, your first summer without baseball since you were probably what like five six. Yeah, that was it. That was I was like wow, like uh, so I had to like shift, uh, you know, from from baseball to just focusing on on my studies. And uh, I mean, honestly, it was hard, you know, especially being around baseball time, you know, uh, that summer and stuff. It was being around seeing baseball. You kind of just kind of it made me sick at times I was just like wow like I don't even want to I remember at, at times I just I'd see it on TV and I just changed the channel or something or or I just ignored it or something it was kind of that, that way I couldn't think about it I just, I just kind of wanted to block it from my mind not having a, you know to think about baseball because you know of course I missed it so uh, so to especially it being out of my hands uh, why I ended like stopped playing baseball, you know, kind of like made it even worse. But, uh, you know, I got over it. I was like, oh, I'm just going to focus in and stay in school and uh, transfer my work ethic from from uh, from baseball and you know put it into my studies now and and uh, and that's whenever uh, I thought that was it. But then in the fall of 2015, I got a call from. Uh, from the general manager for the Pericos of Puebla and the Liga Americana. And uh, his name's you know, Jose Melendez. He's the GM at the time. And uh, he actually lived there in Laredo. So it was kind of like, you know, crazy. I was there in Laredo going to Texas A&M International. And then the general manager for, for Pericos of Puebla is, uh, lives there. Uh, that's his hometown. So uh, I remember call, him calling me and talking to me on the phone and, and uh, telling me about this opportunity that they have in Mexico right now, uh, having uh, you know Mexican American, which which I am, uh, if I have family that were from Mexico to go out and play, that you could go out to Mexico if you get your paperwork done to become a dual citizen, uh, you could end up playing in Mexico as the native. So I'd be considered uh, Mexican. So I, I talked to him for a while. Uh, we met up at a restaurant and he told me about the whole thing and, and, uh, he gave me the opportunity to, you know, he gave me a contract and everything. And he said, you know, if you're able to get your paperwork done, then, you know, we'd love to have you. And so that was a task on its own, getting the whole paperwork at a, I got it through my grandmother. Well, my grandmother had to get it through my, well, my mom had to get it through my grandmother and then I was able to get it through my mom. So, uh, but we got it done. So, uh. So that was kind of like my second chance to go back, you know, to, to play professional baseball and then even better to play into uh, playing in a respectable league like the Liga Mexicana, you know, which is, uh, you know, affiliated with minor league baseball. I believe it's like rated triple A. So, you know, it's, it's, it's high end baseball. You know, you got guys who play 
played in the big leagues. A lot of the imports, uh, you know, have big league time. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, you get treated like a, a big leaguer out there. So it was, it was pretty fun to uh, experience. I think the stereotype for minor league baseball, a lot of time, at least with like, it's all about development for players and for the fans. It's just somewhere to, you know, drink dollar beers or take your kids or something. In Mexico, those fans really care. And they, what was it, what was it like kind of maybe playing to win or playing in front of people who cared about you winning again? Cause you really hadn't played in that kind of environment. I think probably since your last game in high school, which I remember very yeah. well. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's true yeah um but yeah no i mean like you're, you're right you know like you said in the minor leagues it's all about development you know uh, i mean if they make the playoffs you make the playoffs right but a lot of people are moving up and down up and down uh you know because uh, it's all about your personal uh development and where you know what moves they make for you uh personally but in in mexico they're trying to build the bit the best team out there and uh, you know you got owners putting up some big money, you know, trying to, you know, win championships out there. So, uh, you know, they, they weren't joking. They took winning very seriously and they wanted to win every game, uh, possible. So, uh, it was nice to, you know, be in that environment again, where, you know, you're on that team and you're going to be with those guys, you know, the majority of the, you know, the whole time there's no up and down for you. And then there's, I mean, there is you, I mean, cause I did go down to the minor league team, in Mexico, uh, my first year, but I mean, that's just from, uh, you know, dusting off the cobwebs from not having a year of baseball. But, uh, uh, eventually I made my way back up to the Liga Americana on another team. You know, I started off with Puebla, uh, played there for like three weeks and then they sent me down to their minor league team, uh, in, uh, San Luis, Rio, Colorado and did well there. And then, uh, the Reynosa Broncos ended up asking, uh, Jose if we, if he could, lend me out for the majority, I mean, for the rest of the season, which was like a little bit before all-star break. I went, I went to Reynosa and then I finished the season out there and did really well. So, uh, but yeah, just to be, uh, be in that league and uh, play against, you know, having that, that uh, motivation to win again and, you know, and uh, you know, trying to, trying to do best for your team and stuff. It was, it was, it was great to be back into that, uh, environment and I did the same way with, with when I was in uh, independent ball you know the same thing we were trying to win a championship and then of course get picked back up but you know a majority of the guys stayed in the same team so we became really close and we wanted to win and uh, you know so I mean you get that 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 uh, feeling again again to like how winning is important so it was nice to get back into that into that feel again about you know that uh, you got something to work for you know, you know, work as a team, you know, instead of, you know, doing your personal goals, you're there trying to get to the championship as a team. So it was, it was nice. It was a nice change of scenery for sure. Do you think that's part of the reason that, that you and so many other guys, you know, hang on and, and keep trying, you know, keep playing indie ball, playing the Mexican league. Do you think it's just a little more fun out there? Yeah. I mean, uh, I remember, you know, uh, when I was in Mexico, I was like, well, I mean, the chances of me getting, I mean, it's possible, right? But, I mean, I just was out there having fun, you know, playing the game. You know, I love to play. And, and uh, you know, I got treated really well out there in Mexico. I mean, they treat their players really good and we travel. And, you know, we bus some places that are close, but if we're far, we fly. So we fly as a team and we stay at nice hotels. 
So, I mean, we got treated really good, you know, like like a big leaguer there in, in Mexico. So, um, you know, I was happy, you know, being out there. And, uh, you know, if I could, I would I mean, you know, I'd, I mean, I'd love to play in the big leagues, but, I mean, I felt like that was as close as it was going to get. So I enjoyed, I enjoyed my, uh, my time out there in Mexico for sure. So uh, as we talk, it's been about a year for you since you played professional baseball. You're, you know, you're in college, you're, you're studying engineering. What finally, you know, was that decision? What was that decision like? What finally for you said, okay, it's time to, it's time to move on? Yeah, I guess the age factor uh, kind of like uh, played a part, I guess. I mean, I'd love to go back and play again, and I feel like I could, but I know that there's life after baseball for sure. You know, I felt like it was important to uh, finish, you know, uh, what I started with school. Um, you know, so there was times that, you know, when I was playing in Mexico, I'd finish once the season ended, I'd come back and go to school in the fall and then and then go back and uh, play ball again. And then my last year, I remember I played the first season with the Deckles. I played the first season and then uh, – that year they had two seasons like summer one and summer two uh they you know they ended up wanting to to trade me or loan me out to another team or give me my release and i just told them you know you could keep my rights if you want but uh you know i'm just gonna go back to school so there was like two important classes that i needed to take and just hearing from other uh, classmates of mine that they recommended that you should take it in the summer. It's a lot easier as physics one and two. And then they're like, you really need to take, uh, I wouldn't, I, w- I wouldn't suggest to take it physics one or two during the fall and spring semesters. Cause the professor was really difficult. So uh, a buddy of mine told me like, Hey, I think you should take it in the summer. So it's just so happened that, that after that first season, that, that summer class opened up and, uh, you know, I was like, you know, I think this this is probably like the best route for me right at, at this moment. So, uh, it was hard to do, but you know, I, I, you know, I walked away from the game and just, uh, I've been in school now full time, you know, after, ever since that summer in 2018, uh, you know, I went summer one and two and then uh, fall and then, and then I, and here I am now in, in the, oh, and then, and then spring. And then now I transferred over here to a and M uh, Kingsville here, uh, finishing my degree here for civil. So, uh, but no, I mean, it's been a, it was definitely like a roller coaster ride. I mean, it was, uh, you know, ten seasons of baseball. You know, I would I don't regret anything I I, I did. You know, I, I've gained some experience out of it, and I kind of whatever experience I got from baseball, I try to you know, related to now where I'm at in school and then in everyday life. Cause I mean, baseball's, you know, it's a game of life. I felt like, you know, all the trials and tribulations and things I've gone through in there and, uh, being able to come out of it, you know, still walking and stuff. And, you know, there's ups and downs in life always. I mean, also, so it's a very, it's a game that you could relate to, uh, you know, to life. So now I'm, all the positive stuff, you know, you take it, and then the negative stuff, you learn from it, and you learn from mistakes and stuff. So it kind of just, I try to whatever things that I learned in baseball, I just kind of turn it around, and now I put it towards you know school now, like what I'm focusing on. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I just now I'm trying to be uh, get this get this degree and become a you know functioning member of society. <laughs>
life be, after be baseball. So got to be an adult with uh, with yeah, that exactly. life after baseball. I think something it's something that you and I talked about before we started this is. Um, you know, dealing what what do you kind of do with your competitive itch? What do you you know what do you do after you're gone? You kind of identify as a baseball player, and that's how you get that not, not aggression yeah. out, but you know that that competitive nature. What do you do to uh, you know your your year removed from baseball now? Do you put that all into school? Is there hobbies you pick up? What do you do to uh, to compete? Because I think that's one of the main drivers of reasons why people play sports is to compete. Yeah, I mean, uh, I still work out every day it's it's like a routine now and and it's it's funny because uh i feel like the working out has helped me you know keep uh you know like a younger looking you know body i guess and then uh you know it's funny because like in class i'm with you know majority of them are really you know really young like 19 20 21 year olds and uh a lot of them don't even know that i'm that i just turned 30 this this uh this sunday i just turned 30 so uh, I'm in my 30s now. So a lot of these kids don't even know that I'm I'm in my you know, that I'm 30 years old. They think I'm one of them. So it's it's pretty. I mean, so I kind of like what, that work ethic. I still kind of keep the same trainings and stuff like that. Stuff that I learned picked up from baseball to keep you know relatively young and stuff like that. So, um, but but yeah, and then like like you said, uh, I try to channel that competitiveness and work ethic in, in my schoolwork, uh, you know, instead of being, you know, physically and stuff like now, now it's all mentally and, and, uh, motivating, you know, you know, to get that good grade and in your classes and stuff. So, uh, so that's, uh, that's what I use it now. Uh, it is a lot different for sure, but I mean, it's still, you, you, you know, you want to get an A, right? So that motivation, that competitiveness to get that A on the work ethic you have to put in, you know, the late night studying and, uh, you know, going into the tutoring center or getting with, you know, classmates and, and studying for these things, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it reminded me of like how, you know, baseball, you play as a team, right? So it's something similar, you know, over here, you know, you get together with your classmates and, uh, you try to get on the same page with things and you know, work out reviews and work out old uh, practice problems that are that you think are going to be on the exams and stuff like that. So, uh, so yeah, so that's that's what I do now. I just channel it into my my schoolwork now and hobbies. Uh, I like to you know fish. You know that I live. I mean Kingsville is not too far from the water. It's like uh, Rivera's just down the street, but I usually go to uh, Ranzas Pass where my mom lives at now. And, uh, you know, I fish out there and, uh, you know, that's just how you know you grew up in South Texas. Yeah. But, uh, a buddy of mine from high school, he's the one that kind of got me into fishing and the outdoorsy stuff. His dad was, uh, they were both big on it. So he would invite me to go fishing and stuff. So I didn't really get into it until, uh, until baseball actually, like, you know, in the off season, you got a little bit time to kill. I remember they would come, uh, when I moved to Aransas, I was, uh, 21, I moved to Aransas Pass because I, I wanted to be closer to the water and because, uh, you know, they were fishing. So I was like, well, why don't I get a place here in Aransas Pass and, uh, you know, ha- develop a, a hobby of that. And that kind of, you know, trying to get, a, you know, a fish and find stuff that's, you know, like uh, challenging on its own too. So, um, so yeah, so I moved there to Aransas and on time, if I ever have time from, from school, I, you know, I like to go fishing and stuff like that. That's, you know, and bowling or bowling too that's that's fun too i take that (laughs) 
a little too serious sometimes too. Like I'll compete and with like friends and family and stuff. And of course I want to get the highest uh, score on, on that too. So just like those little things, like you, uh, you, you want to still like do better than everybody and stuff. So yeah, I don't think that competitive competitiveness will, will die. You know, it's always going to be a part of you and you just got to channel in into something different than, uh, than baseball now. So. I agree. I don't think that that really leaves any athlete. Uh, I got one more thing for you before I, you know, I let you guy here. You've given me so much of your time already that, you know, really appreciate that. But, um, what do you wish you would have known when you signed out of high school? You know, if you could go back and talk to 18 year old JP on, on signing day, what do you wish you could have known to prepare yourself a little better? And what do you think organizations can do better to prepare their, their high school kids to, to adjust to being professionals and learn how to be professionals? Yeah, I would probably uh, tell myself to, uh, it's hard, like, I mean, uh, you know, uh, when you get offered that kind of money, it's hard to say no, right? But then at the same time, you know, maybe if I would have uh, gone the college route, maybe I would have had more time to develop mentally, uh, physically also, and, uh, you know, learn some things in college, and playing at the collegiate level, that'll prepare you to maybe a smoother transition into pro ball. Um, me personally, I mean, I don't regret signing uh, out of high school. I mean, it is it is what it is. I did it, uh, but maybe I wasn't mature yet mentally to handle you know some of the stuff that I had to you know deal with and stuff like uh, you know like the public relations stuff that I mentioned earlier. You know. Uh, developing, you know, personal relations with like your bosses and stuff like that. And, and I wish someone, you know, would have told me that like, Hey, you know, it's not just about performance. Like you need to like talk and PR with uh, people that are important that make decisions on your career. Uh, You know, so I'd I'd advise myself to, you know, to do a better job at developing those relationships um, in, in, in the work workplace, not even, like now that I know from my mistakes, you know, I feel like I've done a better job of talking and PRing with people. And, um, you know, I had an internship with TxDOT, Texas Department of Transportation. And, you know, I left on a good note there. So, you know, now that I just learned from my mistakes now from, from that, because honestly, it's not just talent alone. It's you got to, you know, be able to talk and, you know, or else, or else they're not going to know who you are. They're not, they're, they're going off of performance also but i mean you know they want to get to know you as a person as well so uh you know i'd rec- recommend myself you know to do a better job of uh, communicating for sure and uh maybe uh you know maybe uh, you know it would have been nice to get some school done out of the way you know I- i'm i'm good now but uh maybe sign out of out of going to go into college would have you know gave me more time to mature you know mentally and physically and then getting knocking out some school on top of that so it wouldn't be so difficult to go from not going to school for so many years and then going back to college and having to remember things you were supposed to know from high school I remember having some professors where uh you know when I would take some classes uh they'd be like well you should know this right you learned this in high school well high school was in 2008 you know and then some of those classes that I took were before 2008 and I'm in 2015 in my first year of college. So, I mean, a lot of stuff you, you know, you, you forget, but I mean, 
so that part was difficult too, trying to like relearn a lot of things. Uh, you know, so maybe it would have been a lot easier to, you know, signing out of 2011 and then 2015, at least I have some college experience, you know, going back and, uh, you know, now it'd be easier to, you know, finish college. And, uh, so, you know, but I mean, I don't regret it. I, I, I did what I did and I experienced a lot of fun stuff that a lot of people don't, don't, uh, you know, normally get to experience, you know, all the traveling and, and all the different places that I saw, all the different parts of the country, and all the personal relationships I've made, you know, old teammates, coaches, and managers, and, and uh, you know, things happen for reasons, and I'm a big believer in that, and, uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, I'm, I'm where I'm supposed to be at right now. Well, JP, I, I really appreciate you taking this time, um, telling me your story, telling me about your experiences, uh, you know, I've I just can't thank you enough, man. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, wish you best of luck in, uh, you know, finishing out, finishing out your degree. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe we'll catch up sometime next time you're around New Braunfels. Yeah, Kyle, for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, it was, it was a pleasure. I appreciate you, uh, you know, giving me my, uh, an opportunity to tell my, my story and, uh, you know, of my, uh, you know, my 10 years of pro ball and, and then the transition now to where I'm at now. So, uh, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be able to help uh, some kids out, you know, with their decision and, uh, you know, weigh their options and, uh, you know, uh, do what, what they feel, you know, you know, weigh, definitely weigh what they want to do uh, when it comes to being in that uh, position of whether to sign out of high school or, or go to the college route. So uh, I know you can't predict time for sure. Like you can't say like, uh well this is gonna happen right so uh you know you never know maybe maybe i would have gone to college and uh maybe i would have got hurt you know you never know so uh it could go either or you just gotta you know be you just live uh, live with the decision that you make don't ever regret what you do so well i appreciate you um appreciate you taking the time to uh you know to tell me your story and uh have a good one man i'm Thanks a ton. Yes, sir, Kyle. Take care, man. God bless. Take it easy. And that is it for the second episode from Phenom to the Farm. Big thanks to J.P. Ramirez for taking the time to tell his story. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate, leave a review. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Banduho. Make sure to check out BaseballAmerica.com and the Baseball America podcast feed to get all the best in amateur and professional baseball content. We will catch you at the next episode of From Phenom to the Farm, dropping on March 10th. 